Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right, 1 John chapter 1. We left off in verse 7, but it says, That which was from the beginning, I'm going to start in verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Verse 3 says, that which was seen and heard, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 4, and these things we write to you that you that your joy may be full. So the first four verses basically introduce the book of 1 John. That's what they do. And uh, we know that 1 John was written as much of the New Testament and the Bible is to dispel uh, incorrect thinking, incorrect lies. How many think there's a few lies running around the planet? All right. Um, The scripture says that we're to test voices. Those voices are not only the ones that come against your head, but they're also the ones that are on the news media. They're also ones that are in the church. They're also ones that are outside the church. They're also ones that are leaders of nations. They're also ones that are your neighbor. Test the voices. And people say, does that mean everybody has a devil? Absolutely not. You know, uh, I, I'm, I, my background is Pentecostal. It's word of faith, whatever you want to call it. Uh, charismatic as far as that's concerned. And uh, so we believe in spiritual activity. We understand that there's spiritual activity going on in the earth right now, and that demonic activity happens. We believe that the people still are demon-possessed today. They still get demon-oppressed. All of those type of things take place. I've seen it um, and experienced it, and we know it from the Word. But you got to remember this, too. For every one devil, there are two angels. Right? So for every one devil, there are two angels. So uh, for the people that think there's a devil behind every bush, there are two angels holding them down. Okay. So uh, demonology and angelology are real. We need to know that from Scripture. Those things are true and they're real. But just realize that we're on the winning side. Amen. You know, if your understanding of demonic activity is the horror movies that Hollywood puts out, you don't know the real story. You haven't, as, as Paul Harvey would say, you haven't heard the rest of the story, okay? Because that's not reality. I mean, who do you think makes the horror movie? Who do you think the author is? <laughs> A guy who loves to make himself into something that he is not, and that would be Satan, right? So just keep that in mind. Um, But in dealing with this particular uh, uh, book that we're dealing with in these first few verses and the chapters that we're, or the chapter that we're in, these first four verses declare something to us. So you'll see statements in here. First of all, we know this. We know that this is written to Christians, okay? It's written to believers. Uh, All through 1 John, it's my beloved, my children, you know, all of that. And so we know it's written to believers. Well, I'm going to just say this. The best place for Satan to work deception is is from the church out. Now, if you read the epistles, okay, and we've said this before, the epistles are not the apostles' wives. (laughs) The epistles are the books from Acts on through Revelation, okay? If you read those epistles, you'll see that that principle runs true. A lot of times people think, yeah, the devil's best place of activity is in the church of Satan. Wrong. It's actually in the church. Disguised as Christians. Okay? So there are things that are taught uh, in the church, and I'm not claiming absolute perfection in my teaching or in in the instruction of the word. I don't think anybody can do that. Um, But we go back to the word and test things against the word. There are teachings in in the church, maybe even in some of your favorite preachers that are not biblical. They're not accurate. And so the only way to deal with that, it's not to, um, we don't get to stone preachers to death anymore. 
You know, in the Old Testament, if you prophesied and it didn't come to pass, you're dead. <laughs> I mean, they just take care of it, right? Well, we don't live in that covenant anymore, but what we do get the privilege of is loving and praying for those in the body of Christ, and then also going back to what? The written word to test to see if it's true. Now, how many realize this? It is not the most exciting thing in the world to your flesh to go back and read and see if something is accurate or not. But God is just this way. He requires us to be self-disciplined. In fact, he empowers us to be disciplined. Actually, do you know it's wrong for you to believe what I preach just because I studied it and preached it? <laughs> uh, just sometimes people say, what do we pay you for? You know. <laughs> what do you pay the preacher for anyway? Actually, you're supposed to have your own relationship with the Lord and know what you know. If you ever want to feel not, if you, if you want to live a Christian life where you know you're born again, but you really have little confidence in what you believe outside of that, just never read and never study. Now, I'll ask you this. How did you get confident in the work that you do? You, you, you do it. You, there's OJT on the, job, on the job training, right? But when you started a job or maybe you started a new profession, sometimes you go to school first. Sometimes you get educated. Other, you know, there's so many ways to get educated today on things. But you've, you got confident in an area. You're strong in an area. So think about this. Think about your life personally, and where are you confident? Why are you confident in that area? Because you've proven things, studied things, and gained knowledge in that area. So the key to boldness in the believer's life is what? Knowledge. It's knowledge. So it's good to look at the scripture and say, okay, uh, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, what, believes in him should not perish but have what? It's good to agree with that. It's different when you read it, study it, look at it, find the other scriptures that say the same thing and begin to put it together and you build knowledge within yourself. Knowledge of the word of God is, one of, is the greatest tool to uh, dealing with deception. I know, I know, we're, we got Pentecostal background, so we can just say, in the name of Jesus, deception leave. Get away from me. And I'm quoting some scriptures. But the reality is, if you really wanna be strong, you need to know why you believe what you believe. Amen? You, you need to know why you believe. Why do you believe what you believe? You know, I tell my kids this all the time, or have for years, even Kylie, but even Taylor right now, she, she's going to a Christian school, and so she's got a religion teacher. And so uh, she's catching on to it a little bit late here because she's listening to the live stream, so she's a few seconds behind me. But I'm getting smiles from back there. <laughs> But she'll come home and she'll say, the, the person said this, dad, what? You know, she's, she wants to know truth, right? And it's, it's counter to some of the things that we've taught. And, I, said, and I, I told her, I said, well, first of all, the biggest thing here is not winning the argument. The biggest thing is, is what does the scripture say? And is what they're saying true? And then why do you believe what you believe? Now, there are times to challenge it if it's flat wrong. You know what I mean? If somebody comes up to you and go, you know, Jesus is my homeboy, and, but there's lots of ways to heaven. Now, we know that's not true. But then I, ha I have good relationship with people. I've had good fellowship with people that don't believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for today with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. That is not a heaven or hell issue. It's not. You know what I mean? I have fellowship with people that uh, don't believe in the rapture and people that, and I do believe in the rapture. Guess what? Not a heaven or hell issue. 
I now, you know, I believe in the rapture, so then I have good uh, conversation with people that are pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, and pan-trib. And when people say, what is pan-trib? It'll all pan out in the end. So, <laughs> some are like, that's what I'm counting on, you know. But I know what I believe, but I'm not going to go declare a, a, a hard statement against somebody who believes something different on, on a subject like that. You cannot be dogmatic on those subjects. Not dogmatic. Now, you can preach what you believe or teach what you believe and have conviction about it. You cannot be dogmatic. Now, I can be dogmatic on how you get to heaven because Jesus said there's only one way. There's only one way. Amen? And you can be dogmatic on other things in the sense of how you're actually going to develop spiritually. You can be dogmatic on that. There are some things that are clearly spelled out in Scripture that are a responsibility to the individual believer that are a must. Now, I will say this. If you never grow up spiritually, you're still in the family. You're just the stinky kid in the family. Now, if you haven't been saved that long, that's not that big of a deal. I mean, if you haven't been, if, you know, we don't expect clean diapers out of babies. I mean, if you've been in for 20 years and you're still stinking everywhere you go, you need a spanking. <laughs> or as my grandpa would say, you need the shot, a shot in the rear end with a square needle. Or a swift kick in the pants. Some of you are like thinking about it, a square needle. What? <laughs> It would hurt. <laughs> That's a Grandpa Bob, you know. Or a swift kick in the pants. And I can tell you, he did kick me in the pants more than once. <laughs> That's how I learned to work faster. <laughs> but the scriptures are here to give us instruction. Now, we have better fellowship with each other now, of course, you can't have a relationship with the Lord outside of Christ, but the more we grow spiritually, we have better fellowship one with another. And that's God's goal. And his primary goal, and you see this through the epistles, is what? Love your brother, love your sister. Love them. Well, they don't do everything right. None of us do. In fact, the very idea that some think they're in a place of perfection is a sure sign they're not. And you're fooling nobody except for yourself. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right? Well, at least I'm not doing that. We'll give us some time. We'll pick out five other things you are doing. <laughs> In other words, when it comes to spiritual development and spiritual growth, it takes personal responsibility, and we need to look to ourselves. Now, if we're coming from a place of criticism in assessing somebody else, that's wrong. If we're coming from a place of trying or in the sense of look, being a fruit inspector with the purpose or the heart motivation of their development and growth, that's right. But to make a criticizing judgmental statement like, I don't, you know, basically a declarative statement concerning their eternity and it's over something that's carnal in that sense, we need to stay away from that. If they claim that they believe in Christ and that they've received him as their Lord, received him as their Lord and Savior, even if we see no evidence thereof, we need to trust the Lord to deal with that individual. Amen? We just need to be careful because, <coughs> excuse me, because I'll say this. <coughs> Paul talks about it. He says, listen, if you become a judge of the law, you'd have to be the lawgiver. And last time I checked, I am not the lawgiver. In other words, do I have the right? Do I have in and of myself the purity to be able to stand in righteous judgment from the place of the throne of God? Some of you get in the picture here and look down and go, I, this is what it is right here. That's always pride, spiritual pride, which is functions at a high level at times. I know, and this is not something that just gets out of you overnight. You know what I mean? It takes time. You have to, you have to continue to grow, to develop, to, be, to, uh, to uh, uh, live in humility. How many know humility is learned? Pride is just kind of built in. 
It's true. It's true. It's built in, all right? And so uh, it manifests itself in all sorts of different forms, too. Some pr- sometimes pride is really sweet. Like they're just, they're just kind all the way through to the stabbing of, in the back. Just too sweet. Man, almost too lovey. You know what I mean? Like you're making me sick. It's so sweet. <laughs> and you got to watch out for that as well. So that's what, that's what John's dealing with lies. He's dealing with immaturities. And this is something that will, you know, I, I often I've said to people and, I, and I, I, my job, my profession is to preach and teach the word. And I look around the world and I, and I look at things and I look at my own life and I think to myself, I am never running out of a job. It'll never happen. You know, it's kind of like uh, hospitals and funeral homes. How many know they're never running out of work? They're just not, <laughs> okay? There's going to be cemeteries. There's going to, as long, until, until we're raptured out of here, that stuff's in play. And then even after that, so for others. But we'll be gone, so it'll be great. There'll be more spaces available, actually. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is what? He is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. Verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Verse 7 is where we left off last week. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. What is the one another? That's you and me. As we walk in light, we walk in love toward our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, when you walk in love, how many here have, uh, you have, you're not just by yourself, but you got family. I mean, I'm talking about family in the area or around, you have family. Do you agree with everything your family does? But yet you still go to the family reunion. Some people are like, no, I'm never going <laughs> to. Might have to work on that one. <laughs> you don't, but guess what you cannot do? You cannot remove them from the family. Well, it's the same way in the church. We don't, we don't, God's not removing people from the family. God is very, how many love your kids? I mean, even when they're ding-dongs, you still love them. Do you know there's people out there that don't really love your kids like you do? I know people say, well, this is too practical. No, this is exactly how it is. Like, it doesn't matter what my kids ever would ever do. If they did, I mean, the spirit of stupid could come all over them. And they could do something really stupid. And I won't like that. And I won't reward the spirit of stupid. I'll correct it. But I will never stop loving them. Never. Because they're my kids. You know, and so when it comes to God's family and we've received Christ, we're his what? Kids, which means he's given up on no one. He doesn't do it. He doesn't back away. He doesn't go, oh, no, I'm going to break my covenant. He doesn't break it. Amen. Amen. And so um, that's how we have relationship with the Lord. But when we understand that and then we walk with the Lord and we fellowship with one another, as we walk in the light, we can fellowship with one another. We walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And what happens? The blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from what? All sin, cleanses us from all sin. Verse eight, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now I want you to understand something. Who is this book written to? Christians. Now we talk about this and you need to understand this. This, this needs to become really clear in you. And, and I'm gonna say this, there's really no just really easy way for this to happen because transformation of the mind and understanding of the word of God, it, is a, it, is a, it comes from a place of discipline in your life. You have to think. Christianity is a, contrary to what some people think, it is a thinking man's religion, for, for, for lack of a, to talk in just natural, some natural human terms. 
You, you have to be a thinker. You have to let the elevator, the Lord, the Lord is not scared of your scrutiny of his word. He is not afraid. He is not looking down going, well, maybe I gave them too, met, too much smarts. You, none of us are outsmarting God ever. He is the almighty, the all-knowing one. He knows the motivations of our heart. And so when it comes to truths like this and, and understanding the scripture, we can look at this and go, okay, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But we also know the scripture says that we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So which is it? Oh, I'm intentionally leaving you there. Pause for dramatic effect. Which is it? Okay, let's go to verse 9. <laughs> we'll make it worse before we make it better. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Was this written to sinners or Christians? Are you sure? But I thought you were the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Well, how are you going to be cleansed of all unrighteousness? Partially true. It's partially true. That's right. Now, I will say this. This, this verse right here is written to Christians. Do you know that sinners cannot confess their sins? Oh, we're having fun now, aren't we? <laughs> Do you know that sinners cannot confess their sins? I'll ask you a question. All right, think now with me. Do sinners get saved by confessing their sins? No. How do they get saved? They confess as their... Only priests can confess their sins. Under the old covenant, who confessed the sins? The priests. Now that you're saved, what are you? You're a priest. That's why this is written to Christians. So then where is the unrighteousness? Because it's not in your spirit. Because you can't get, where is it? Where else? The mind. That's where it is. In other words, I'll put it to you like this. Um, when we're born again, our spirit man is made new. But if you read all through the epistles, you're constantly told what to do with your mind and your, your body. Your mind is to be what? Renewed by the word of God. Renewed to what? The reality of who you are in and then you are to enslave, as Paul said. We say buffet, not buffet, right? You are to enslave your body to what? Righteousness. Now, people say, well, no, you can come to the place where you understand who you are in Christ to such a degree that your body's no longer, it no longer has the tendency, it's no longer will be called the body of sin. But there's no scripture for that. In the New Testament, you, you will have to, how many have noticed as long as you've lived in your body that it still has a tendency to want to go a direction it's not supposed to? I mean, you could be a 101-year-old guy, and if you're not saved, you're, you know, your teeth are falling out, maybe you got them put in, maybe you got them glued in good that day, I don't know. <laughs> and you can, you can see, I have, well, I'll just put it to you like this. I have worked around guys that were old, old, old. And they'll see a young girl walk by and, hey, and I'm thinking to myself, 
I want to just hold up a mirror in front of them. Like, do you realize? And people say, people say, well, what is that? That is flesh. And the redemption of flesh as a whole has been paid for in Christ, but it is not manifested yet. So we're going to have to deal with our bodies, right? Because they're going to have a tendency. We need to renew our thinking to the reality of who we are in Christ, right? So this is written to Christians. Now, verse 10 says this. It says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make who? We make God a liar. We make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, I'm going to say some things to you in regards to this. Let's go back to verse 7, read through it, and then we'll comment from verse 8. We've got to understand this. So this is written to Christians. So James actually says this. He actually calls, he actually says to the, to the Christians that he was writing to in his day, he says, he says, purify your heart, you double mind. He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. But if you look at it, what he's talking about is clean up your life. And what he means is you have the nature of God within you grow up in that nature. You should be developing more and more every year, greater and greater, uh, year after year in fellowship with the Lord. There should be more and more light in your life today than there is darkness. Now, I'm going to read something to you, and I'll, I'll take you through a couple of scriptures here at the end. But let's look at this. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, and we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Now, this is the difference. What he's saying here is this. He's saying if you, he's not saying, he, what he's not saying here is he's, he's not saying He's not speaking specifically to the sin nature. He's speaking specifically to the what? The act of sin. Okay? Your nature actually has changed. You're a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. Everything that old is what? Passed away. Right? Everything now is... Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I need to show you. If you're not... If you... If this is... If you're not clear yet on this, you need to write these scriptures down. Or go back and listen to this over again. Thank God for things being recorded. 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, what? All things have become new. Verse 18. Now all things are of who? Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you see that? He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. So we've been reconciled to God in Christ. Our spirit man is now made clean. You've actually been sealed by the Holy Ghost. Do you know the Holy Spirit is not fellowshipping with demons inside of you? Your spirit man, right? So what takes, what needs to take place after you're born again? And this is where people get tripped up because after they get born again, they sin again. How many would say, how many have done this? How many have said you've sinned and you say, Lord, I'm never going to do that again? How many did it again? (laughs) You say, well, what is the cure for sin? Spiritual maturity. Now the cure holy is Christ. But I'm talking about where you're not, you're, you're putting on the Lord Jesus Christ and making no provision for the what? The flesh. So how do I get over, how did I grow out of those sins? How many have done this? You know, you, you say uh, at the beginning of the day, uh, you, you sin in a particular area, and then you say, Lord, forgive me. I apologize. I'm not going to do that. And then you try and do some good works, you know, to make yourself feel good and think that God then will feel good about it as well, even though that's not how he's relating to you at all. He's relating to you through Jesus. But you say, I'm not going to do that again. And then by noon, you did it again. That's because you're trying to overcome with natural things, not spiritual truth. You're trying to overcome through works. So our mind has to be renewed to the reality of what? 
Do we still sin? Have we sinned after we're born again? Yes. So is it possible to look at a Christian and say, all right, you're the righteousness of God in Christ, but it's possible that you're functioning in unrighteousness. It's just where does that come from? It's not coming from the root or the reality of the resurrection of the spirit of Christ within you. It's actually still in your thinking and you have a body of sin. It is flesh, but the scripture calls your body the body of sin. Guess what you're not taking to heaven with you? Yeah, right? People are like, thank God. You know, <laughs> I didn't want to take this thing anyway. <laughs> and the Lord's going, yeah, me neither. It stinks. You, got <laughs> you need something new to go in. It's found in 1 Corinthians 3. It's found in 1 Corinthians 15. That's where the answer is. But I, let's, let's look at this. So your spirit man is made new. So then what is John dealing with in these verses? He's dealing with our thinking and he's dealing with our bodies. He's dealing with this world. So let me say this, and I'm gonna say this, and you need to hear it and you need to understand it. If you sinned right before you died as a believer, you are not going to hell because you didn't get that sin confessed in time. So there are two ditches I want to fill up with dirt, even though this is never gonna happen. But I want you to, in reality, I want you to understand this, all right? One ditch says this, it doesn't matter how I live at all because I'm saved now and I was saved by grace, so I'm just gonna live like the world. Well, you don't wanna do that. I'm just gonna live the way I want to, all of that. You don't want to, that will destroy your life. And the, here's the main reason why you don't want to do that. Because what is the nature of the world and what is the nature of the flesh? It is anti-Christ. So if I give my life to Christ and then I live over here in the world, in the world's way, I'm actually taking two parts of myself, my body and my soul, and I'm driving everything the direction opposite of where I just gave my life to. You know who the most frustrated Christians are in the world? The ones who live from their natural thinking or unrenewed mind and the nature of the flesh and they just follow the spirit of the world. They are born again. But I will say this, they look just like the world. Then here is the other ditch that I want you to stay out of. Every sin you lost your salvation. And there are people that teach this which is really bad for the person who teaches it. If they believe that, well, I'm not saying that that's, that's actually gonna manifest in their life. How, how torturous is that? Let me ask you a question. How did your perfect works get you in in the first place? So what is the cleansing of unrighteousness that takes place? Basically, if you could think of it like this, it's this way. It's us being purified from the enemy's influence in thinking and then in our bodies. Does that make sense? So we don't want to go that direction at all. We don't want to follow that thought at all. So we don't want to go down the path of sin. We don't want to try to sin. But yet on the other, other side of the road, we don't want to live in this place where we're trying to, uh, where we're so afraid of every little thing being done wrong. We have to live where? In the middle of the road. Now people will say, people have said this, they'll ask this question. This is the one that always comes up. They'll ask this question, they'll say, well, can a person lose their salvation? No. And we'll let that one sit for a second too. <laughs> People say, what kind of doctrine are you teaching? I'll say, it to, I'll say it to you like this. They can reject it, but they cannot lose it. In other words, you're not gonna just be bumping along in your life 
and slip on a banana peel one day and go, whoop, there goes my salvation. That's not going to happen. But you could reject it. But I will say this, and we'll eventually get into this. This is in 1 John 5. It's also in Hebrews chapter 6. We'll eventually get into this. A person can become what is called reprobate. And then I'll give a couple examples from Scripture when we get there to explain what that means. But I will say this. It is very, very, very specific in the Scripture of what a reprobate is. It's very specific. And there are, there are some, uh, in fact, I'll put it to you like this. I don't know that I've ever known of anybody doing that. And I know some people that have served the Lord and are living in pretty rough situations right now. But there are specific qualifications that have to be met scripturally. And it isn't God is just done with you one day because he's fed up with you. It's actually me rejecting. And then he makes permanent what I have determined. Because where is his covenant with mankind? It's in Christ. How many know he's not breaking covenant with himself? He's not. But I can break the covenant. Because he gave me what? Free will. You see that? So how does this work out? What does this look like, all right? Um, go, to first, or go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is actually has to do with the judgment seat of Christ. So I'm going to read this again in verse, you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We don't want to make him a liar, do we? And people say, well, uh, verse, I'm going to read chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 to you as well because it fits in here. Notice he says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. So in other words, what is he saying? You can live a sanctified life. Then watch, what's the next part of the verse? So that you may not sin. And then what? And if, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Do you see that? So we're being, what is, the, what is the goal? The goal is what? That we don't sin. But who's our advocate with the Father? Jesus. How are you getting to heaven? <laughs> How are you righteous? How did you sin? Flesh, mind. Those are the sins that are being addressed here. Where is the unrighteousness cleansed out of? How many think it's just smart not to sin? I mean, you'll save your brain lots of problems. You'll save your body lots of problems. If you, let me ask you a question. Is, out, is, is being an alcoholic a sin? Is drunkenness a sin? And people are like, I don't know. He's confused me. I'm not sure. Listen, yes, it's a sin. It's a sin, right? But is it, does, does being a drunk or is being an alcoholic or being a drunk, is that the unpardonable sin? No. no. Well, I'm glad you know that. <laughs> we live in a weird culture today. You know, people are like, people are like, well, you know, maybe not. You know, Jesus turned water into wine. You know, <laughs> they think they can evaporate certain portions of Scripture because of. <laughs> no, no, it's sin, right? It's it. That's wrong. But let me ask you a question: Would does being a drunk or being an alcoholic would does that cause unrighteousness to manifest in your thinking and in your body? How many know that God is not handing out cirrhosis of the liver? Right? That's not righteousness. But how many also know this, that that sin doesn't send you to hell? 
if, if, it was, if it was an issue of doing things to get saved. Now, if you'll hook your faith up with mine, you won't feel confused by the time you're done and by the time we leave. So let's believe God together here, all right? I know I'm pushing you. I get it. But I want you to think about this. It requires thinking. You'll escape living in condemnation if you understand this. You'll escape it. You'll get away from it. It won't control you. It won't hold power over you. You won't be thinking God's standing over you waiting for you to do something wrong and whap and you just wake up in hell one day. He loves you so much. He gave Jesus for you. But did you have to become, did you have to get rid of all the sins in your life to come to God? No. So you couldn't have confessed, you couldn't even confess all your sins anyway to come to God. Nobody can. What did you confess? The Lordship of Jesus. What did Jesus pay the price for? Past, present, and? future where were we solidified and sealed where were we born again in the spirit of man after we're born again what takes place there then begins the what the renewal of the and the and the controlling of the body we now present ourselves to Christ as instruments of righteousness but and the lord and this is what first john chapter 2 verse 1 says I write these things to you so that you don't sin. Notice, not that, so that you don't lose your salvation. Come on, oh, we made a breakthrough there. Oh, that made me feel good. It was 7.59, I had one minute to get you not to be able to, or to get you to be able to sleep tonight. All right, because I'm gonna sleep fine either way. <laughs> Then he says in the next part of the verse, but if you do what? If you do sin, we have a what? You have a, but you sinned, but you have an advocate. So where is the cleansing of unrighteousness? It's in my mind. Well, yes, it comes from Jesus, but where's the cleansing? On us. We're washed clean. We're washed over by the, by the righteousness, the, the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit over us, out of our thinking, out of our flesh. Basically, if you could, you, you could look at it like this. It's like you had a door open to the devil because you were sinning, and then when you repented, you got right, you agreed with the Lord and said, no, that's wrong, and you shut that door, and then that, un that unrighteousness no longer has access to you. You are not losing your salvation every time you sin. If you sinned, if you sin, your, your, your eternity is sealed by Jesus Christ and your reception of him. If you, if you lost your salvation every time you sinned after you got saved, when does that end? How many meditated on an offense too long? You sinned. Do you know if you were to leave this life with that still in your head and you go to heaven, the Lord's not gonna look at you and go, you didn't confess that one. You can't come in. But there are people that teach that. Now, why do we want to confess that sin and get it under the blood? Because it affects what? It affects our thinking and it affects us. And it affects our what? Fellowship. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 1. We'll only go through the whole chapter. <laughs> and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual. Are they born again? Yeah, but they're not spiritual people. Just because you're born again doesn't mean you're spiritual. He couldn't speak to them as to spiritual people, but as to what? As to... Babes in Christ, right? Verse number two. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, 
How many of you know it would be a sin to feed a baby solid food? <laughs> In other words, it would be a child abuse, right? Okay, to feed, it, feed a baby solid food. Verse three, for you are still carnal, for where there are what? Envy, strife, and divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Is this written to Christians? Well, why do they have envy, strife, divisions among them? I thought they were the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Some of you are getting it and you're getting free. Some of you still are way, you're overthinking this thing. I guess I'm watching some people get like joy over this and others are still going, well, I wonder what that means. Well, maybe we'll have to hit it again next week. I'm not opposed to that. I've been known to sit on a half a verse for weeks. All right. And I care about your spiritual growth. So I'm willing to just park here until we get it. I want you to understand that your salvation is secure. But I also want you to understand that you can increase your experiential sanctification through obedience. Amen. But your eternal sanctification was purchased by Jesus, and there's nothing you can do about that other than receive it or reject it. So he goes on to say this, for you're not carnal if there's envy. So verse 4, and we need to deal with this today big time. For, one, for when one says, I am of Paul, and another says, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Can you apply that to today? Well, I'm of Benny Hinn. It's the exact same thing almost. Right? And you know, there are different ones that will feed you better than others. We just can't allow this in. Verse 5, who then is Paul and who is Apollos? Skip down, verse 10. Actually, I'm going to go verse 9. We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Verse 10, according to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. What is the foundation? Jesus, right? And another what? Builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it for no other foundation can anyone lay this is a this is a dogmatic statement in scripture no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid which is jesus christ the other way of saying that is i am the way the truth and life no man comes unto the father but through me but what can be built on christ watch this now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold silver and precious stones wood, hay, and straw. Every person in here has gold, has silver, and precious stones, and every person in here has wood, hay, and straw. Every person does. But is this the foundation? This is what's built on, right? How are you getting in on the foundation? Now watch. <laughs> Verse 13. Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by what? And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Verse 14, if anyone's work which he has built on, on it endures, he will receive a reward. What would, what would endure fire out of gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw? Well, the wood, hay, and straw is... How many have seen fire retardant? wood, hay, and straw. Okay, you haven't, all right? What endures? In other words, those were the things that were done from our righteousness. They were the works of faith that were done from the reality of Christ within. What would be wood, hay, and straw? That would be sins, that would be works of the flesh, that would be that type of stuff, right? Watch now. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Let me read it a different way just to help you here with what we're talking about, okay? If anyone's work is burned up, he will go to hell. Does that help you see it though? Verse, second part of the verse, but he himself, so you're gonna suffer loss. What's gonna be the loss? The wood, hay, and stubble. The sin you may not have confessed before you saw the Lord. Whatever it is, do you see what I'm saying? This is the judgment seat of Christ. This is the bema in the, in the Greek. It's the judgment seat. A bema in the New Testament time was like during the Olympic Games. It was like a, a place where the winners would stand and then a medal was put around their neck. Only they put 
a crown on their head. They were rewarded for what they accomplished, right? This is exactly what this is talking about, okay? And then he goes on to say this. He says, but he himself will be saved yet as so as through fire. Why would he be saved even though his works were burned up, even though things of his life were burned up? Because the foundation, because his salvation is not dependent on his works. It's dependent on Jesus. You are secure if you believe in Jesus. If he is your Lord, people say, but I got these hangups. I know we're believing God for you that you get over them. But even if you don't, your righteousness is in Christ. Even if you don't get every little thing cleansed out of your life, it would be a benefit to you. It'll be a benefit to your family. It'll be a benefit to your relatives. You'll be a benefit to your world. You'll be salt and light like you're so supposed to be as you walk in greater and greater levels of righteousness and holiness as you put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. But even if you don't do that perfectly or maturely, all that stuff will be, you may be standing there with nothing but a foundation, but praise God for the foundation. <laughs> now, the nice thing about 1 John 1, 9 is this. If you confess it, and God goes, what? What happened? Well, I don't know nothing. He removes it as far as the east is from the west, Right? Verse 16, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So listen, what gets destroyed? What gets removed? Everything that was not done from a place of what? The spirit birthing it. I always want to ask this because I have people say this to me, they'll, they'll make statements to me like, well, in fact, I had a gentleman, they used to come to church, they did a few times, and I knew that wasn't going to last. People say, how do you know? I can just tell. But he wanted to corner me, and I knew it was coming, and I knew there was no easy way around it. He wanted to corner me. He wanted to tell me, he wanted to decide who goes to heaven or hell. And I understand what he was saying because there are passages, passages of Scripture in the New Testament that if you don't read them in the context of the New Testament, it can make it sound like the moment you do something you're not supposed to, it's over. That God's going to absolutely just tear you to shreds and that's the end of it. But we have to keep this in context not only in context of the chapter, not only in context of the book, not only in context of what's being said specifically, but in the context of Christ, right? Our salvation, the foundation of what we believe is who? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. So what, what about the other stuff that happens after you're saved? I'm not even talking about stuff you, I'm not saying you planned it out. You, how many have ever sinned before? And we're like, I did not plan that out, but that happened. Okay? And, you, and it may be, it could be totally in, you could be totally unaware of the fact that you're doing it because you just don't know yet. You're not aware. I did stuff when I was first saved. I mean, you would never let me pastor you. If you knew. You'd never let me say anything to you. You know, people have come up to me and said, you know, I, you know I, I'm so thankful I got saved. I was a pretty bad person. I understand. But how did our salvation come? By putting our faith in Jesus. How does forgiveness and how is it manifested even after we're saved when we sin and we shouldn't have? How is our forgiveness, how does that cleansing take place? By confessing. What are we confessing? 
The word actually is homologeo. Homo means same, and logos is the word. In other words, you're saying the same thing. You're confessing. You're saying, Lord, that was sin. That's not, who, that's not what you're about, and that's not what I'm about. I confess that to you, and I thank you that the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all unrighteousness. You're declaring it, right? But you're not declaring, Lord, I need to get saved again. That's a deep thought, isn't it? But if you understand it, what will settle inside of you? Your confidence level will go up. You'll be settled. You'll have a firm foundation. You won't go through your life going, you know, I don't know if I'm saved or not. If you don't know whether you're saved or not, you need to know that you're saved. And people, we, we, do, we do all sorts of cartwheels about this stuff. It's simple. Jesus paid the price for my sin. I believe that. I'm a child of God. I confess him as my Savior and Lord. And then outside of that, when you make a mistake after you're born again, you sin, you miss the mark, what do you do? But what if you do the same sin 400 times in a day? You know, you're like, Jesus, I am not going to eat another M&M. And then you eat another one. And I rebuke the spirit of M&M, and then you, you go buy some M&Ms when you're at the gas station. <laughs> Is God going, oh, there's no hope for him. Just forget him. No. You're cleansed out, Right? There are people that have taken the message of grace, and this is directly from uh, actually Andrew Womack's notes, his living commentary. They've taken the message of grace and they've said that uh, it doesn't matter how you live because now you're born again. Well, it matters how you live because it affects you, it affects your spouse, it affects your kids, it affects the enemy's ability to affect your life, it affects how you have an effect on others, right? Now, God is going to love you in spite of you. Come on. And then others have said, oh, I see the message of grace. It now empowers me to never sin again. And I'll quote Grammy, how's that working out for you? (laughs) They're both wrong. We can't say, oh, we've never sinned. There's no sin in my life. We have to deal with sin, amen? Amen. Well, maybe we'll take a poll and see if we need another week on this. (laughs) How many think you got a gist of what it is? Let me ask you this. Oh, that's a lot. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I need to look at it more. (laughs) I know it's not popular sometimes to talk about these things. But here, let me say this, and we're going to pray here and go. (laughs) Because Heidi went way over. (laughs) no let me say this think I know that's a a really deep concept today with Instagram and 30 and 60 90 second reels my my information comes in 90 seconds you know nothing the world the, the antichrist loves the fact that people think they know something by reading a headline Think, shut everything else off and read 1 John again and again. You say, but how do you get understanding? I don't quit. I don't quit. And you know what else? Even though in the natural, I don't consider myself to be, you know, a rocket scientist. But I do know this. I believe God. And you know what God does? He speaks every language and can instruct on every level of intelligence. I like what Mark Hankins says. God has a reputation with working with, working, working with some real losers 
and making them winners. You know what I also like this? If you listen to the Holy Ghost, he'll make you look like a genius because he's a genius. So are you going to quit on it? Nope. And we may revisit it next week. Part two. You don't want to miss it. Father, we thank you for tonight and for your word. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.